This is Bryn, covering the Pac-12. I'm Mark, I'm covering the Big Ten. And together we make the In and Given Saturday CFB podcast, giving you live up-to-date information, week recaps, and week previews for the weeks to come. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We have a lot of news that has happened in the last, well, it's been two months since we recorded. Are you yeah. Yeah, sorry, man. Uh, yeah, there's so. How long has it been? It's been what, like a month or two since we've been on. Uh, it was before NTC, so it's probably about two months. Yeah, cause I I left. Yeah, I left like two days before my birthday, so it's uh yeah. So a lot has happened. Uh, the Pac-12 has had some news. The Big Ten, obviously, today was the reason that we got on today. Huge historic news. Um, so we'll just open up with that. So the big 10 announced today that they are getting back to football. Finally, um, along with national news that pertains to the big 10 and Pac 12, that they're going to get getting back to basketball as well. So the football season is going to open up October 24th. Now, the weird thing is, is, you know, through this COVID pandemic, they've been talking about how they're going to get back to football and there's going to be a 10 game schedule conference only with, uh, three crossover games. But now with this eight-game schedule, the way it's going to work, I don't know if you've read into this, um, but so they're going to have the eight-game schedule, six or yeah, six divisional games, two crossover games, and then the ninth game. Uh, if you are t- two of the top teams, obviously you're going to play in the Big Ten Championship and go for the college football playoff. But if you're not, then it's a consolation game where it's going to be seeded across both divisions. So one through six are going to be seeded. And then, like, number two in the West Division is going to play number two in the East Division on the home field. It's kind of like a consolation game. So if you're not in the Big Ten Championship, at least you uh, you get a consolation game. So every team is guaranteed nine games and then possibly a tenth with the bowl game if you're good enough. So that's how the Big Ten's coming back to football. Um, University of Nebraska obviously was the one who kind of kicked off this whole let's get back to football thing and then Ohio State jumped on the bandwagon President Trump jumped on the bandwagon and it kind of forced the uh the commissioner's hand to to get going and 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 get this season back underway so um yeah six in the division two crossovers four home games four away games um the original date was October 17th they pushed it back a week and uh We'll we'll see how it looks, but uh, I'm pretty pretty excited about it. It's nice to see football getting back. But what about the Pac-12, man? Are they are they getting back to play or are they not? Uh, so before we start with that, this is the Any Given Saturday CFB podcast. Uh, we're about three minutes in, so uh, if you jumped in and didn't know where you're at, now you know. Uh, I'm Brennan. <laughs> I'm Mark. And uh, together we bring you this podcast. Uh, we're on Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, and uh, almost all the major podcasting sites uh, and apps. Are we on some new ones? Uh, no, not yet. I don't think they've officially announced the other one, so I don't want to say anything. Okay. Uh, but there's there's a couple of things out that we've been invited to. Um, so listen, uh, follow our pages. Uh, Facebook's Any Given Saturday CFB. Twitter, any CFB, uh, Instagram, I believe is any given Saturday CFB. Um, and then you can also email us at any given Saturday CFB at gmail.com, uh, with any tips, uh, complaints, 
uh, or if you like our show, you're one of the anomalies and actually like our show, go and give <laughs> us a, uh, some words of encouragement. But, uh, yeah, you can reach us on all the platforms and, uh, feel free to get in contact with us. Uh, we'd love to talk to our fans. Um, but yeah, going back to the, uh, pack 12, um, Major news came out last week with them when they pretty much signed on with Quiddle or Quiddle, whatever that the company's called. Where pretty much Quiddle. they get a yeah they get a, a test result back in 15 minutes, pretty much, which changes the game for uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the sports and especially a lot of the big team sports um, that aren't basketball, such as you know even baseball. It's it'd be kind of a big team sport because you got so many different uh, managers and stuff like that to go with it. But pretty much the way that Larry Scott and the Pac-12 are spinning it to try to rework uh, opening up a lot of the states and allowing them the state, allowing the athletes to practice within the state is pretty much piggybacking off this test because uh, as a player is getting wrapped up or getting trained, some physical therapy done or something done before, practice they can just get the test before they go in and by the time they finish they have the results and if you do it in waves my idea would be if you do it in waves like offense comes in first defense comes in you know and then you got your backups and all that then you can have your your results spread out so if someone tests positive they're not in that giant group of people and you know hey okay like now we gotta quarantine this area off and clean it down and everything but um Pretty much, yeah. Uh, Pac-12 signed on with with Quiddle. Um, Larry Scott act, wouldn't announce how much it's actually going to cost the Pac-12, so um, there won't be any news on that until the taxes come out. But <coughs> uh, pretty much signed on. Uh, the Oregon State and uh, Washington doctors uh, were at the conference too, who were on the uh, the pretty much the Pac-12 uh, health board. And then um, they they pretty much were talking and explaining about what was going on. Um, they've actually partnered on with uh, Harvard when it comes to uh, the myocarditis. Uh, I can't say that word. My bad. Uh, the myocarditis uh, research and stuff like that. So they're actually kind of um, – ahead of the game uh compared to other conferences and actually drawing in big names like harvard to work on this study to figure out what really is going on with the myocarditis and um the coronavirus but uh pretty much the only thing that that's that's holding back the pac-12 at this moment with sports is uh california and oregon um both those states are pretty much locked down and um really strict on on their laws when it comes to group sports and uh practicing and everything so the pac-12 um the commissioner larry scott actually just released this uh statement i don't know if you covered this so having a little bit of issue with my wi-fi but uh so he he uh he urged these schools in california and oregon to reach out for clarification on how to safely return in hopes of beginning a season sooner rather than later and this was a statement 
The PAC-12 welcomes today's statements by Governor Newsom of California and Governor Brown of Oregon that state public health officials will allow for contact practice and return to competition, and that there's no state restrictions on our ability to play sports in light of our adherence to strict health and safety protocols and stringent testing requirements, including our recently announced partnership with Codell, which will enable daily rapid results testing. We appreciate the governor's support, the former of which is consistent with the very productive conversation that he and I had earlier today. Our California and Oregon universities will now each individually and immediately reach out to their relevant county public health officials to seek clarification on what is required to achieve blah, blah, blah. It's all political. Yeah, Basically, pretty, what, it, pretty much what it boils what, down to and what I'm seeing a lot is and what they're not covering. You know, they're, they're kind of sticking to the pandemic. But the other thing that the uh, governor of California is really concerned about is all the fires. And I don't know if you watched uh, NFL football this last weekend, but the Rams and the 49ers were in danger of not being able to play a football game because the AQI of – uh, of the air quality out there was above 200 the day before a football game, and you can't play when it's above 200. So I think yeah, that's the, having the, a big factor. The problem that, that goes into to California, though, before you bring in the um, the wildfires and air quality, is that is Newsom pretty much said in his conference that he didn't say and that his laws and everything were to make it so sports could practice and everything like that. But if you read them, they're like they're the exact opposite of what he was saying. So it it's I think what's happening now is California is actually going to be able to start opening up and, and uh, not as a state, but for college athletics, uh, because Newsom's hands being twisted in another direction compared to the rest of the nation. And uh, that's my biggest problem with it is that he, he came out and said pretty much the exact opposite. And his policies were allowing athletes to practice and stuff like that when they weren't. But. Uh, now you tackled the other beasts, which is the wildfires going on in Oregon and California that are pretty much uh, burning both states alive. Yeah, and I I think that's having a um, I think that's having an effect on on the Pac-12's decision. Um, and from what I'm reading, uh, and I don't know, we might get sued by the two people that listen to this, but it's from CBS Sports that says. Uh, State and local guidelines coupled with regional wildfires have made football in 2020 unlikely for the Pac-12. So this was, I mean, this was just posted about an hour ago. So I think yeah, a lot of the I, fires that are going on in California aren't, aren't contained or if they are contained in any degree, they're contained very minimally. So it, it's the air quality is, is a big thing. But on top of that, you have to worry about um, the lives and everything that go on with that get destroyed with these fires and trying to rebuild the areas around it and stuff like that. But um, I don't see why, uh, like, L.A. wouldn't be able to um, have college sports with UCLA and USC. No, and I think I think a lot of it, what it boils down for the Pac-12, unfortunately, is whatever the state of California schools do, and I don't even – I mean, yeah, UCLA and Cal and um, – you know, they're going to have a big factor in it, but I think what it really comes down to is USC, and USC wants to play. Um, so I could see this going either way for the Pac-12, but, uh, you know, the Big Ten coming out and saying they're going to play already, and the reason that they got rushed in is because, you know, we have Ohio State, college football playoff contender with Justin Fields, who's projected to go in the top three of the NFL draft. We need to get him in. So... Uh, 
that's why the Big Ten really pushed for to get this season underway. And I think the Pac-12 is kind of hanging them back because they don't really have anybody that's going to challenge for a, a college football playoff. So I think, you know, the, the commissioners and the athletic directors and the presidents don't really see see like kind of a quote unquote point in playing the game because a lot of these a lot of these schools in that region also have NFL teams, NBA teams, MLB teams, MLS, WNBA, all this other revenue. But when you start talking about Lincoln, Nebraska, Madison, Wisconsin, uh Iowa City, Iowa, you know, these are local economies that really rely on the income from these big time universities. Um even Lansing, Michigan. So I think that's why the Big Ten was kind of forced, is because it's almost like a a small town conference, so to speak. But when you when you're talking about the Pac-12, you're talking about you know Los Angeles, California, and Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, Eugene, Oregon. These big cities, or next to huge metropolises that don't need the revenue from these colleges. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. Um, yeah, I think the the Big Ten. Uh, pretty much once that Penn State doctor came out with his study of, of 30 to 35 percent of the Big Ten athletes having uh, myocarditis, uh, pretty much fact-checked and made him recant his statement. I think that was kind of the downhill spiral that uh, kind of got the Big Ten being being pretty much bullied and forced into being like, okay, like maybe we should actually start to think about having a season. Because that's that's been the biggest factor for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 on counts in their season is the myocarditis and this, these different studies and researches that have um, gone on throughout the different uh, countries and stuff like that around the world, and they're finding out that some of these, uh, I'm not, I'm not all, a lot of them, but some of them they're finding out that they don't pertain or they're not exactly correct on um, the data that they produce, so. They went off of these and are slowly finding out that the info they got was wrong or it's it's being kind of manipulated in a different way that they um, uh, didn't agree with or don't agree with now. Um, but kind of a, a funny thing, and not really funny for these people that went on, but before the Pac-12 had their press conference to um, talk about partnering up with Quidel, they actually laid off all their digital media personnel um, in charge of running their sites and stuff like that. So it makes you think that the, the partnering with this company for the Pac-12 is costing them quite a bit of money. Um, well, I mean, not only are they laying off all these people in charge of online media, right under there you see Utah furloughs all athletic department staff, including the athletic director. Yeah, they actually so, furloughed everybody. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's costing the Pac-12 a bunch of money, but... Then you got to, you know, and it kind of comes back to the whole money aspect of, you know, how the Pac-12 decides to spend their money in the Big Ten. The Big Ten is dumping a lot of money because they partnered with Quidel too. Nebraska, University of Nebraska acquired 12,000 of these test kits from Quidel. And, yeah, but, if, you know, if like I, I don't, the Pac-12 schools are, are struggling. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know see where. The Big Ten where, headquarters is at, but I, I know the Pac-12 headquarters is in right around San Francisco and they're paying. Yeah, well, the big oh, ten a shitload of money. They they pay the most in rent than any other any other conference, and then they also have to pay Larry Scott's contract, which is absolutely ridiculous. So that those two combinations are 
a money bucket for this yeah well i mean conference. well the big 10 i just had to look this up i've never heard of this city rosemont illinois yeah, see, they um, probably picked someone that wasn't expensive and actually could be near the yeah. middle of everything no they have a casino man rivers casino del plains so hey, you know, really? they're, they're yeah they're balling out there but no hey. i mean i i can see that i mean i would definitely rather pay rent in rosemont illinois than san francisco california so um but I think another factor that a lot of people have looked over this uh, is the Big Ten has been losing recruits left and right up until today. Um, unfortunately for the kid I'm about to mention, they they uh, they announced that they were going to come back and play. On Tuesday was leaked by the University of Nebraska's president. They caught him on a hot mic. Uh, saying that there's an announcement coming tonight, and then the announcement didn't come. And quarterback in Michigan, Dylan McCaffrey, who is, yes, the brother of Christian McCaffrey, running back for the Panthers, um, opted out of the season, and then they announced they're going to come back with the season. He said, I'm opting out. Uh, he's a redshirt junior. He'll be opting out of the 2020 college football season, and he's looking to transfer from the Wolverines program. Um, this is not confirmed, but it has come out. And he's set to graduate in December, so he'll have two years of eligibility remaining. So if he is a transfer graduate, then he'll be able to play immediately. But not only they lost them, Nebraska lost uh, Keyshawn Green, one of our top linebackers. It was actually our top linebacker um, in this last year's recruiting class. Uh, and, you know, there's been dozens of other players out of the Big Ten that have said we're not playing or they're opting out and they're trying to transfer to get out of the Big Ten because of the uncertainty. And with them announcing that they're going to play, a lot of people think it's going to be kind of like business as usual and everything's all ho-hum. But, you know, there's still rumors flying around that we're trying to leave the conference because of just the terrible leadership that there is in the Big Ten. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Kevin Warren pretty much took the job. And as soon as he took the job, this whole thing hit. I think their biggest fault was the communication across the board. I think that's one thing where the Pac-12 did significantly better than the Big Ten is they had communication and all the coaches and athletic directors and everything were all like, okay, like, yeah, let's go ahead and, and postpone the season. And it was a group decision. It wasn't like a Big Ten where Kevin Warren was just like, oh, yeah, we're just going to postpone it. And then you have all these other uh, schools and stuff like that are like, well, what the hell? What's going on? And it pretty much just hit with a, a slap in the face and no explanation. Whereas the Pac-12 was – they came together and they, they had an explanation for everyone. And it, it, it worked out. But now you got teams still playing, and now these teams are like, well, it can be done. So let's go ahead and get on this thing and get going. Yeah, there was there was no communication. I think that was the biggest uh, selling point of the, the initial lawsuit uh, filed against the Big Ten was – they just wanted to see the documents. Um, and it was the parents of the players who wrote this letter and was like, we want to see why you guys decided to postpone the season. Why Why is my kid, you know, in some aspects, halfway across the country at your university, he doesn't know if he can go to school. He doesn't know if since he can't play since you postponed the season, is his scholarship still valid? Can he still go to school? And that's one thing that, you know, a lot of people – including myself, you know, I'm guilty of this as well, where I'm looking at these, at these headlines and I'm like, yo, just come back and play football. I just want to see football again. And I'm not thinking, you know, these kids are also in college. These kids, you know, 90% of the kids that are on the field know they're not going to make it to the NFL. They're there to get an education. And, 
that's another thing that's up in arms with the Big Ten is can these kids go to school? Because, yeah, online is great, but, you know, in the instance of somebody like my wife who is going through nursing school, yeah, she can do classes online, but at some point she's got to go to her clinicals. So there could be juniors and seniors at that school that need to do their clinicals, need to be in a lab, and they can't go to school. So how is that affecting their scholarships? You can't go to class. You can't go to football. Where do they stand? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I think that's a a big thing that's uh, going to be talked about in years to come. For instance, for for my classes, uh, you have to do a lot of in-person stuff, and uh, the FAA – has that actually partnered with with the schools and stuff like that and figure out how they can get um, the documented hours without being in person. And so they've kind of used uh, Canvas. I don't know if your wife has Canvas, but they started they started making it to where on Canvas they can track your hours. And so they it's causing a lot of different uh, companies and organizations and uh, it's uh, what, do you, what would you call it? academic institutions to think differently and outside the box on how they can get their students to um, be on track still and everything and not be behind. But yeah, like you said, you've got things that need to be in person. And especially for these kids, if, if they're going to be playing football and on campus and they definitely should be able to go into in-person classes and, and get that education instead of going to play football and they got to go to like an online lecture right after football or something like that when they have team meetings and stuff like that. So it's, it's, going to be kind of weird to see how that works out for them to be honest with you it, it's it's going to be a different it's going to be a different look you know what i mean just across all sports you know just actually just life in general it's just a different look right now and nobody nobody alive has ever been through anything like this so it's definitely a uh, a different situation and everyone's got their own opinion on how it should be handled but i think overall um, as we're seeing, I think the overall consensus could be that there needs to be a single commissioner in the NCAA. Um, even if you just uh, have a different commissioner for each sport, there needs yeah, to be that, an overall legislative for college football. There needs to be one dude like Roger Goodell who makes these type of decisions. So we don't have, yeah, cause there, we, so there is an NCAA commissioner. You just need an NCAA football commissioner and different sports commissioner. Let's get that right. Yeah, so, well, I mean, what you're seeing is is you're seeing the Big 12 played last weekend. Um, shout out to your alma mater for getting upset. Um, I don't know if you the, really call it an upset. It's just uh, – It was Arkansas. No, dude, they got beat. Anyway, so you had the Big 12 start football. You have the Pac-12 still sitting on the sidelines. You had the Big 10 announce that they're going to play. The SEC starts, and the ACC, the ACC started. Too. Yeah, Clemson and Wake Forest play, but there were some games that were postponed um, due to, you know, COVID nineteen. Um, in the ACC, there was there was games that were postponed due, due to COVID nineteen, and they still don't know if they're going to be able to finish the season because if there's more than four or five programs that go down, then they have to postpone the entire season again. So the ACC could play two maybe next weekend, and they could get shut down again because of COVID. So, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty across the five power five conferences. And then you have like, you know, the group of five, you know, there's a few conferences not playing. There's a few of them that are playing, but then you look at something like the NFL or the NBA or the MLB and all the teams went back on the same day. There's some bubbles. There's the MLB is going to the bubble format now for the playoffs and the NBA went to the bubble and it worked out perfectly. The NFL went their first, uh, their first weekend, no, no positive tests. So they're doing everything right over there. 
So where does the NCAA step in? You know, there is a commissioner of the NCAA. When does he step in and say, hey, all sports are postponed or all sports need to go on? You know, when does that decision come down? When do we have that overall look and that overall leadership from the NCAA instead of just sitting back and being like, yeah, you guys deal with it. And then you have conferences getting sued by parents, you know, mama yeah, Karen. Did you see or, the, um, the, uh, protest they did at the big 10 office? Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. So it's, I mean, I don't know. You got to have some kind of overall leading legislative. So that way you have one idea across all college football or all of college, like college basketball. It was put out that all basketball will start on November 21st. So why isn't that happening with football? Why are they leaving it to these commissioners of certain conferences? And now you have a college football playoff that you're going to leave an entire conference out because they decided not to play. So I just, I just don't agree with it, man. Yeah. I think, I think this is one thing that uh, this pandemic has brought forth is that that exact same philosophy. There needs to be a saw or, or some type of commissioner for each sport. Um, and I mean, you could even have all the ADs. So the power five uh, conferences have one of their ADs be the commissioner of them. And then he works with a group of five commissioner, which would be one of their ADs. And they just kind of work together on getting things done. And then you have, you know, the division two, division three um, ADs work together too. And they all kind of work together and figure out how to get this thing going. But um, I don't know. I, I, the NCAA is just very uh, ignorant on what they do. And so <laughs> I can't imagine that they're going to really change too much. Uh, some other news coming out of the NCAA, uh, according to AP News, the NCAA will furlough its entire Indianapolis-based staff of about 600 employees for three to eight weeks in a cost-saving move, um, according to a memo they obtained. Uh, the memo came from uh, NCAA President Mark Emmert, <coughs> excuse me, uh, which went out to associations more than 1,200 members, members' schools Wednesday. The furloughs will not affect the senior executives. Of course, they won't. Uh, yeah, starting September 21st, so that will be next week, actually, through the end of January 2021, uh, all national office staff will be subjected to a mandatory three-week furlough, Emmert wrote. Uh, some staff will be furloughed up to eight weeks, depending on position and seasonal timing of their duties. Boy, I so wonder what that the means. So even the NCAA, uh, the money bank for all these sports that we're talking about right now, is uh, going through furloughs. And like Mark said earlier, the whole Utah athletic department, including the coaches, uh, all got furloughed. So it's it's hitting schools and conferences and the NCAA in very harsh ways. You know, I've been wondering this as well is, you know, you you call off sports, kind of like a knee-jerk reaction to this pandemic. And... I always wondered how many schools across the United States heavily rely on their athletic programs. Because what I can tell you from experience, um, just growing up around the university and growing up in the, in the economy, um, is that without Husker football, Lincoln's a ghost town. Without the University of Nebraska in general, Lincoln is not the booming city that it is. Yes, it is the capital, but... 
you take that university out of there and it's going to struggle. So once you start talking about furloughing the entire staff and you, you're shutting down that university and, you know, you don't have the money coming in because, you know, if I'm not going to school, I'm not paying. And, yeah. you know, that money's that money's up and leaving. How is how is something as simple as saying, hey, we're going to push football back because it's, you know, I'm sure people are like, you know, people's lives are more important than football. I get that. I do understand that it's not lost on me at all, but you you cancel football in the Midwest where are they getting their money? You know, we start talking about states like Texas, you know, Texas, uh, with the high school football, when they're talking about postponing high school football, there was an absolute, uh, uproar about if we cancel high school football in the state of Texas, a lot of these cities are going to go under. So it's just, it's a cause and effect thing. You know, I understand that, college football isn't as important as saving people's lives in this pandemic, but a lot of these cities in the big 10, they, they, they rely on it. They rely on this college football. They, you know, the yeah, 12, um, 12 games a year float who they are as, as cities. So, yeah. So, uh, kind of some other, uh, ways to kind of look at this. So, uh, Iowa's staff got, is taking a 10%, um, hit off of their uh, salaries but Iowa just closed a bunch of sports in their department including swimming and a couple other ones and uh, kind of right after that happened uh, a massive bonus started going out to all the Iowa football coaches and staff um, so according to uh, hawkcentral.com here uh, Jay Neiman the newest assistant coach received a 17.2% in his salary to $340,000 before the 10% uh, will be reducted, making his actual raise 16000 instead of the listed 50000 So some of these schools that are prioritizing football are cutting out these other sports while also saying that these coaches are going to take a hit. But then you have an Iowa situation here where the coaches are actually taking a increase in pay uh from these cut sports so it's really shitty for the the students that were athletes in these sports that are getting cut because now they're losing their scholarships and uh their education pretty much only to have the pockets of the coaches get wealthier and bigger um i mean i'm sorry but people aren't you know lying in the seats lying in the streets of iowa city to watch the swimming team I'm going to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, but I mean, still, if you, if you award someone a scholarship or you award, tell someone, you, you draw someone into that, to your school by that, you should at least fulfill that responsibility on your end. And there's no reason to give a pay increase when someone's already making $340,000 on your staff. I mean, that, you, you can cut that by quite a bit and still be fine. I mean, you could, but are you going to get the same quality of coach? You know, is Kirk yeah. Fer- is Kirk Ferentz going to hang around for two hundred fifty thousand a year? Probably not, because he knows that he can go to like a Stanford or UCLA and get paid a million a year. So why would he stay in Iowa City, Iowa, for two hundred fifty thousand a year when he can go to another school very easily because of his reputation and make a mill? So I mean, in the end, that I mean, yes, it's a that, shitty situation. That, I agree because there are the school though. In the end, because they had to. That school that's obtaining him is going to have to pay the buyout, and none of those schools are going to want to pay a buyout on someone like that. 
but what I'm saying, I, yes, it sucks, and it's it's a terrible situation for for some students. I get that, but I mean, if you look at, I mean, the, the reality of the situation is, you know, the the swimming team doesn't bring in money. I'm sorry, but the football team, the football program, keeps that city afloat, keeps that program afloat, keeps that university afloat. So if you have to dump more money into the football program to keep things on the table like your professors and school supplies and the buildings to, to do this school in, I'm sorry, it's a necessary evil. You got to do it. It's a business thing. And it sucks for those kids that got nah, awarded I, those scholarships. But I, I, don't, I don't agree with that because no matter what, that, that funds are allotted, allotted no matter what. So what you're doing is you're just taking away the the area that they would go to and just refunding them to something else. No matter what, those coaches got brought on and have a contract. Yeah, yes, they can they can get lured somewhere else, but to do that, the school that's taking them would have to buy out that contract. So yeah, no matter yeah. what, Iowa would win win in that situation. Yeah, but what I'm saying is is you know if they don't give them those pay raises, who knows what Kirk Ferentz is saying behind closed doors? Like, hey, if you don't pay me, I'm leaving. No. There's no one that's going to leave during this time because if you leave, you're not guaranteed a spot because not many schools are going to, especially when they're taking hits in their budget, no matter if they play or not, no one's going to want to have to pay pay out of pocket an extra 10 to $20 million and still not have a coach. Yeah, but, I mean, he walks. You can play the year or two waiting game if you get paid $800,000 a year. You can play the two-year waiting game to wait for the University of South Carolina to call you and offer you a job or university well, yeah, I, I get I, you know I what i mean that. so yes. that's why they might be playing the long game here like hey unfortunately we have to we have to make these cuts right now and it sucks during the time we have to do it but we have to retain our coach so i understand yeah, where you're I, going so i'm just kind of playing the be, devil's advocate here yeah but my other question would be what schools are are that hooked into kirk that he would leave that that's how you really pay out. That see that that's how a smart athletic department does this. Is when they start actually seeing him. Let's for instance, let's, let's use PJ Fleck for instance out of Minnesota. Okay. He finished his awesome season. Had plenty of uh, pr- plenty of buzz around him to go to these other big name Power Five schools or get at least a better school with a better team. And what did Minnesota do? They locked him down right then and there. Yeah. It was it. So that, that's that's where I kind of go into this is. No one in Iowa was being, the only person in Iowa that was leaving was that strength and conditioning coach because of what happened with the players and everything with him. But even though he left, they're still paying him. I think I had to look at this article again, but I think they're still paying him over a million dollars in a buyout yeah. because they 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 fired him pretty much. So. Well, I mean, I can see, I can see your point now because I actually just looked up the guy's contract. Kirk Ferentz says he's locked down through the twenty twenty five season, so I can see your point. And, uh, but I mean, at the I, end I, of the day, I mean, there's some universities out there that have to make those cuts. They have to make those necessary cuts. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get it. Like, yes, you, you've got to make cuts, especially during a time like this. Like, that's a hundred percent yes. But to t- to tell your staff and everything like, Hey, you're going to take a 10% cut. And then you cut these other sports and next thing you know, you're lining their pockets to where they actually get a raise it. That that's where I kind of get, um, 
hit with the wrong side of the paddle with that one because it just that rubs me the wrong way when if you're gonna cut someone's salary cut their salary don't line their salary even more with a with more bonuses yeah hit them with the old mickey mouse deal (laughs) i mean i mean that's what it is i mean you hit them with the mickey mouse deal you say hey yeah we're gonna cut your contract and then behind closed doors you give them a 10 percent raise so i get it i mean it's it's a terrible situation but uh and then uh one of these so notes, that, man. I want to hear. I want to hear more on this. Let's let's move on from money and COVID. And that was one. Of, that was that was another part of the notes that we got here. Um, so we'll go into some Pac-12 uh, transfers and ops out. Um, while Zoo receiver Woods, Cassie Woods, um, enters the portal, fourth one entered the portal at Washington State. And I don't know if you remember a few months ago, uh, the Washington State player that recorded uh, Nick Rolovich in their phone conversation. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Um, but this was him. Yeah, this is the same as that guy. Um, so apparently things did not go start off well, obviously, and uh, they didn't end well for him. So uh, he enters the portal. Um, I haven't gotten back on to see where he ended up. I think he ended up somewhere in the in uh, somewhere else. Uh, pretty good guy, uh, production wise. Uh, and then Penesuel. So okay, I can't say his name. Penesuel. There we go. Uh, pretty much the top lineman in the nation. Uh, top five, top ten pick in the NFL draft, pretty much. Uh, foregoes the season to get ready for the NFL draft. Um, huge blow to Oregon. Uh, they also lose uh their star cornerback for the NFL draft too. So they are hurting quite a bit. Um, and that's and then uh, also Jay Tufeli, uh, defensive tackle out of USC, uh, first round pick. Uh, projected <coughs> I'm saying things backwards now it doesn't sound right uh, projected <laughs> first round pick there we go uh, opts out of the season to uh, get ready for NFL draft along with um, Elijah Barry Tucker a lineman out of USC starting lineman who is going to fill um, Austin Jackson's role and was the pretty much the shoe in for that and then uh, ends up foregoing to go to the NFL so now they're down two offensive linemen on that line that were pretty key elements um but yeah uh so well uh the Oregon lineman losing him is is massive uh that off that Oregon offensive line was amazing uh he was easily the best one on that line and the arguably top two linemen in the nation um someone argue number one so well, I'm saying hey, go get your money kid out, yeah, exactly. You can't you can't hate on them, especially when you don't know when the Pac-12 is going to play. You might as well get ready and get going. Um, yeah. And then you talked about Keyshawn Green out of, out of Nebraska. Yeah, he was he was a uh, four-star recruit. He was the number one linebacker out of that uh, out of that recruiting class that we just signed. Um, some said Scott Frost's best, uh, his absolute best recruiting class that he had at the university possibly in his coaching career and he gone so yeah that's, definitely that's a big a hit because i remember when we yeah. got him i was stoked so we'll see how it goes but uh, with him leaving it definitely leaves a big hole in our linebacking crew and uh the depth at linebacker definitely took a big hit with him leaving so be interesting to see how they get get him backfilled i guess yeah, but. I mean, just because they enter the portal, I'd have to go on and see if he – I don't think he ended up anywhere yet. But just because these guys enter the portal doesn't mean they're off the team. 
it just means that they've entered the name into this giant system and it yeah, allows them to be recruited from other people so yeah he can he always come still back. listed now he's still listed yeah. on uh on our team uh i just went to his twitter page he still has nebraska as his cover photo so uh, yeah, because that that that's happened a couple of times with uh, USC this last season. Is they had people into the um, portal, and then they've they've come back for one reason or another. But just because these guys are are opting out or entering the portal doesn't mean that they can't come back. Uh, I think if if they're foregoing the season for the NFL draft, I think that's kind of a different story. I think they've kind of made up their mind at that point that they want to get ready. But um, I well, think most of these guys they're competitors, so if they get a chance to play, they're gonna they're gonna want to play. Well, that was a pipe dream, actually. I just saw right here. He just tweeted on September 9th that he is going to Florida Atlantic University. So, well, he gone. Lane Kiffin's not there anymore, at least. So, you know. Nah, Lane Kiffin's down in the SEC now. Which is yeah, weird, I though. Can't. He said he's going to Florida Atlantic, but he's still got all this Nebraska stuff on his Twitter page. So, what? whatever, you know, dude. Make you up can, your mind. He has up until he enrolls in the class to opt out. So Yeah, he's committed. He actually has a statement right here talking about I want to thank my family and all that and coaches that recruited me at Nebraska, but I'm going to commit to Florida Atlantic University. So good luck down there, kid. I hope you find what you're looking for, man. Yeah, I mean, he's from Florida, so that kind of makes sense. Um, yeah. Some Maryland news here. I don't know if we talk about Maryland too much. Uh, according to the Baltimore Sun, this all, granted this was about a week ago, um, they tested for COVID-19 on Monday and Tuesday, returning 46 positive tests, affecting 10 teams. Student athletes will be tested again on Tuesday, and it uh, pretty much caused Maryland to suspend all activities going on athletically and um, with their teams. So Maryland not off to a great start. Uh, but like I said, this was about a week and a half ago, a week ago that I got this info. So um, they should be back uh, well, up and running. When I was when I was watching on Saturday, I think I was watching the Clemson Wake Forest game, and they were talking about it on there that yeah, Maryland suspended all activities for two weeks, uh, mandatory fourteen day suspension. So they'll be back to activities next week, not this upcoming week, but uh, a week from Saturday basically is when they'll resume activities again down there in Maryland. Not going to help yeah. them much. I mean, they're still going to go two and eight, but. Hey, you never know. They can come out guns. No, blazing. dude, they are garbage. <laughs> Let's be real. It's Maryland. So let's talk about this Ohio State kid that got shot in the face. Did you read about that? Yeah, I did. That's why I actually put that in there because I, I read that. I actually planned for this on like you. Um, <laughs> Shut up, man. I put my notes in. Yeah, Haskell right Garrett. as we started, that was stuff that we already talked about. Yeah. They shot in the face. Yes. I, tell me more about it. Yeah, yeah so Haskell Garrett, uh, Ohio State D-tackle, uh, a couple weeks ago um, was in was taken to the ER uh, I think he was in critical. Uh, I, I would assume he was in critical condition after being shot in the face. Um, but last week, end of last week, coming into this week, um, the, he kind of talked to some some reporters and stuff like that. And the story got out that pretty much he was uh, trying to break up a fight between uh, a guy and a girl. So I'd imagine it was a couple arguing or. Something was going on, and he got in the way and tried to break it up and be a, a good person, and uh, end up getting shot in the face by the um, by the guy. Uh, yep. Police described it, it as like a through and through gunshot wound to his cheeks. He was in yeah. stable condition. He was released on Monday. So yeah, so thank God he's all right because you never want to see anyone 
Um, Absolutely. Well, that was about get, two weeks get, ago. He was released. Yeah. So, you know, thank God he's all right. And he's good to, he's, he's one of the top defensive uh, players for that team. So losing him would, would have been terrible for life and uh, for the season would have been bad. I would assume he, he'll be up and going pretty soon. But yeah, he was just trying to do the right thing and break up an argument between a guy and a girl. And uh, the guy ended up reaching into his pants and pulling out a gun and shooting him in the face. Oh, it's just terrible. Yeah, but I mean, like you said, he's he's good to go now, so that's huge. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of news that we're missing, uh, but this is pretty much when I was scrounging around uh, what I could get my hands on without being overloaded with school and work and trying to make oh, this yeah. work. No, I I understand it, man. I mean, it's. A lot of news coming in. Uh, obviously, the big news, just to recap, Big Ten's coming back. October 24th, set your calendars. Uh, big Red will be back on the field, so pretty excited about that. Um, Huge news, because that, yeah. that's going to be awesome and uh, allow uh, the Big Ten to try to keep its uh, sanity and not be sued by its own schools. Yep, so... Anyway, like I said, this is the Any Given Saturday College Roll Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, on Facebook. Send us an email at anygivensaturdaycfb at gmail.com. Send us talking points, tips, points. Uh, you want to be on the show, hit us up. We'll send you an invite. We'll have you on the show. Um, yeah, we will welcome guests. Um, absolutely. As long as you... Uh, no trolls. Mark. Yeah, as long as you aren't trolling. I don't, I don't know how to word that without sounding uh, retarded. But, yeah, <laughs> as long as you aren't a troll, we will gladly. I mean, even if you are a troll, I guess to some degree we'll welcome you because I think I can just kick you out with this. But, um, yeah, we, we're, we're, we've had a, a crazy life going on the past two months. Mark's been out of town out in the training area in California, and uh, school started up for me uh, once he got back. So we've been trying to – match our schedules and uh we talk every week about what's going on so we just needed to get some time where we get behind the mic and, and get to you guys and like i said at the beginning of the podcast we've been uh contacted by uh, a few different companies um for numerous different things uh there is going to be another platform our podcast will be on um once we get the go ahead to announce it we'll go ahead and let you guys know uh, on our social media and then uh through this <laughs> but there's been a couple other things that we've been approached about uh, with doing certain different types of shows with um, kind of an audience. It'd be kind of cool. Uh, Got to kind of find a time that our schedules meet to get to get to get that going. But uh, yeah, like Mark said, any given Saturday CFB podcast, uh, Facebook, any given Saturday CFB, Twitter, any CFB, Instagram, any given Saturday CFB, Instagram. We don't really monitor too much. Uh, but Twitter, I monitor and Facebook Mark monitors. So go ahead and give us a follow, give us a like, give us a shout out. And, uh, we will gladly shout you out here. Also, we are on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Spotify, Google podcasts. Uh, well, what's the other one? Stitcher radio. And I think that's it for now. Yep. But well, hopefully ahead. we get that announcement next week and uh, we'll be able to bring it to you. Hope you guys have a beautiful week, and uh, as always, go Big Red. And fight on.